You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. He'll never let us down. And you know, if, if we are looking to somebody for our hope, if we are looking to somebody as our strength, we are going to be disillusioned and disappointed. But the Lord will never let us down. And so thankful for that uh, great message uh, in that music there. Here in our passage of Scripture this, morning, this evening, we find uh, an event that took place that it was a very alarming event. It's one of those events in Scripture that you are glad that you weren't there. It's, it's one of those that you look at and it's like, did that really happen? I mean, we know it happened because it's in the Bible, but can you imagine just the, the turmoil of everything that just took place? That here we have the Lord who is just an amazing example. When you're back in chapter number 7, it finishes with the Lord teaching and we are in the middle of the, uh, the tabernacle, the Feast of Tabernacles. And so it is a festival. It is a, it is a spiritual high time. And uh, there's a full week of teaching and uh, being in God's house. And, and you have the Lord in God's house because it's a sanctified place. It's a consecrated place, and the Lord is there, and uh, it was a holy time, and so he was uh, at where he was expected to be during that time, and he was teaching people, and he retires in the evening back to the Mount of Olives. Now, if you were to look at Jerusalem and the temple, you had a little valley that came down, and then there was another ridge that came up, and the Mount of Olives was just on the east side uh, of the, uh, the temple, and so about three quarters of a mile, and the Lord retired to the, the Mount of Olives, and whether or not there was somebody's home that was there uh, that he retired to, or whether he just went to pray, uh, whether he was there with uh, other the disciples, we really don't know, but he goes back, but early in the morning, he's back at church. Early in the morning, he's back at the temple, and people were in the temple early in the morning. They were hungry to hear from God. And as they are there, and the Lord is teaching, and people, just like you're here tonight, uh, you're, you're hungry, you're waiting to find out uh, what is going to be taught, and these individuals are there, and, and they're listening, and uh, the Lord just returns right back to the temple, uh, just as he was the night before, and you know nothing changed from when the Lord was 12. Uh, when he said, Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And here as an adult, as serving the, uh, serving the father, as going through uh, the plan of God in his life, he is still about the father's business day in and day out. What a, what a blessing. What a blessing. We have a perfect example you know, God's people uh, should desire, I desire, I hope you desire, just to be faithful and fulfill what God has for us. Some, that will be full-time ministry. Others, uh, for everybody, it will be to be full-time faithful. And that's, that's something that all of us to be, should be faithful. But Jesus here, while he was teaching, early in the morning, the people have gathered and they're hungry to hear God's word being taught. 
And now what we find is that the, the individuals in chapter number, uh, chapter number 7, we find that the religious rulers were, they were not in God's house. They were not in the temple. They were busy about doing other things, about the organization of the temple, about the, the jobs of ministry. They were busy about trying to figure out how they could get rid of Jesus. Uh, but here, these other religious rulers, they passed on being in the services of the day. They were concerned with the business processes of the day and how they were going to go on about temple work. And you know, uh, there's some teaching here. Let's not get so busy about all the work of the ministry that we miss being in God's house for the teaching. There isn't anything going on more important than what's going on right here, right now. Amen. Let me say that again. There isn't anything else going on more important than what's going on right here, right now. And, you know, we need the parking lot, and we need the, the uh, ushers, and we need the nursery workers, uh, but it's easy to start sliding into this, well, I'm just going to help. And what we find is God's people start just coming and hanging out at God's house instead of being in God's house. And that's a dangerous thing. And so uh, just be aware. I'm watching. I'm watching. If you're, if you're here, but you're not here, there's a problem. Amen? Well, I'm doing something else. Well, let's do something else after church. Amen. Good. Praise the Lord. All right. So that was for free. That wasn't even part of the message. Uh, but uh, here we have uh, the, the ministry going on. The Lord is proclaiming a message. He's teaching. And as he's teaching, some noise starts to go on. As he's teaching, there's maybe some commotion and some rustling and, and some angry voices. And all of a sudden, the services are, they are disrupted. The services are disrupted. And now all of a sudden, you have a group of scribes and Pharisees coming in, dragging a woman to the middle of the service. And, and here they come right in. And, and we don't know how the setup was and where the Lord was teaching uh, and where people were seated. Uh, but but here they bring them right up to the front and right in before the Lord they, they, they toss her, they push her right before and they say this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Moses said that such should be stoned. What sayest thou? Now can you imagine being a part of that service? Can you imagine being in an environment all of a sudden a, a peaceful teaching is transformed to now an event where somebody could physically lose their life according to Jewish custom and by allotment allowance by the, the Roman government the religious rulers had the right to have somebody executed and so this was a very tense situation, and, and Jesus here, as he is, uh, as he is uh, communicating with these individuals, uh, these people now, uh, that, that the scribes, the Pharisees, the ones that are going to quote scripture to Jesus, they weren't in, why weren't they in service? If they were so concerned about God's word, why weren't they in, in church? And if they really were concerned about God's word being fulfilled, then 
Why did they only bring the woman? Because the Bible teaches that the man and the woman were to be stoned. You see, they really weren't concerned about God's word. Isn't it amazing the people outside the doors that have a little bit of spiritual knowledge feel like they have the ability to make spiritual judgment? And it's evident that they did not have spiritual basis. Now, did the law say that the woman would be killed? Yes, she should be stoned. But so should the man have been stoned. Now, here we find a transfer in the New Testament from law to grace. Now we are going to experience something right before our eyes as the Lord looks at this individual who has, who has lived, who is acting in a way that is contrary to everything that God is. Because God is holy. And God is pure. And God is just. And now all of a sudden we find Jesus now interacting with this woman. Interacting in a way that teaches us some valuable things about ourselves. He said, oh pastor, wait a second here. We're talking about an adulterous woman. No, it reveals a whole lot about us. Our theme this year is building up you. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. And here as I spoke this morning and we looked at how our, our, our view of God is foundational. Our view of self is foundational. Tonight I want to take this passage of scripture and I want to just sort of unpack it a little bit and apply it to how it applies to us. We read through this passage and say, yep, that's not me, stinks to be her. But how God dealt with her is the same way God deals with me. It's the same way God deals with you. We are yet sinners. We are, we are still, though the, though the penalty of sin has been paid for, the presence of sin is very real in our lives. And we have victory over the power that sin has over us, yet we find ourselves submitting to it. And not only our daily interaction with this dark side of ourself, there's a past. And there's a devil who wants to destroy each and every one of us. He does not just want to hurt us. He wants to devour us. He wants to devour to where there is nothing left. No semblance of any existence. Nothing good left behind. Everything gone. Tonight I want to speak to you on the subject, damaged goods. 
damaged goods. Father, I pray that you would bless uh, this time and help each of us as we look into your word. I pray that uh, as we do, that the Spirit of God would just draw a circle around our own life. May we not look at others, may we not think about anybody else, but Lord, may you just speak to each and every individual, the ones in person, the ones who are watching and viewing online. I pray, God, that you will help us, Lord, to see some things that will help us in this walk called the Christian life. And so I pray that you'd bless for Christ's sake. Amen. This woman here is a woman whose life has uh, been uh, has has led been led to scandal, and we don't know uh, anything other than uh, what was said by these scribes and Pharisees. And uh, these scribes and Pharisees may have well uh, been giving the absolute truth, but I do not believe so. Uh, they spoke a half truth about Moses's law. Uh, I'm guessing they spoke some uh, half truths here about this woman, and and this. This lady here, this woman, uh, we see her uh, brought into to all of these bystanders, uh, these faithful who were there gathered just to hear Jesus teach, and now they have they have been uh, sucked into this uh, this drama, if you would. But I want you to see this woman. Uh, look with me at verse number two, John chapter eight, verse number two. The Bible says, "And early in the morning." He came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? And you know, the reality is those that engage in secret sins deceive themselves because your sins will be revealed. They will come out. The Bible says, uh, be sure your sin will find you out. And uh, that's in Numbers uh, 32, 23. And uh, the, our sins, at one point, they are going to come out. And we may feel like our sins, nobody knows about them. Uh, nobody knows about what you watch, sir, on, on the, your, your cell phone. Nobody knows, uh, teenager, what you are doing between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. As your parents are asleep and you're on the internet or you're playing those games, maybe nobody knows that's down here. But let me tell you, there's a God in heaven that knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what is going on. And we may feel like we are getting away with it. We may feel that our sins are going to hurt nobody else, but we are deceiving ourselves. This woman who is caught in this very act of an immoral lifestyle, we see how she now is under the condemnation of the law. And when in this account we find several groups of people, it wasn't just this woman that was impacted. You know what? Sin never just impacts one person. It never impacts one person. No man liveth to himself and no man dies to himself. 
And our actions are going to impact other people. So uh, let's look at these uh, individuals or these groups that are here. First of all, we see a woman. Uh, this woman here, and she is an adulteress. And was it a life's work? Uh, we do not know. Uh, was, it, uh, a, uh, was it just a one-time event? Was it a girl who was in a bad situation that was just looking uh, for some love, just looking for some attention? Maybe she was looking for a way out of one bad uh, situation, looking uh, for something that would offer uh, some new semblance uh, of love and acceptance. And, and I don't know what all the deals, uh, the, the situation was, but there was a woman that was involved in this situation. Maybe she was looking for love or acceptance or a way out. Uh, but here, uh, what we find is that sin never makes things better. Sin never makes it better. If you have to choose a route of sin to get out of the situation you're in, uh, the, the choice to sin is a choice to dig deeper into a hole that you will have a harder time getting out of. And here this woman is now being publicly humiliated, publicly tried. The looks of disgust that are hurled her direction by uh, the men and women that were there. The looks of the pious who are looking down their pharisaical nose at her. The ones who would say, I'd never do such a thing. Maybe there were glares. Maybe the women were there and Glares were sent towards this, this woman who was there in this judging time. So we see the, the judgment. We see individuals that are standing there with stones in their hands, ready to hurl stones at her, ready to take this woman's life. I'm sure this woman had all kinds of fear that was there. Uh, there was rage in these, indi uh, these individuals' minds and hearts. And, and as you look at them, uh, they, are, they are ready to, uh, to kill this woman. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, the Bible says, Wherefore, uh, to him, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. You know what? You and I are capable of every sin that's imaginable. You say, oh no, I would never, I could never. We don't know what sin will do in our life. We don't know what's one step, what door will open next. And here this woman probably never envisioned herself. I'm guessing she probably grew up uh, in the temple. I'm sure she probably grew up uh, with religious teaching. I'm sure just like some teenagers, just like other uh, times, we'll find people that will, will find themselves in immorality. They'll find themselves in a, in a mess uh, spiritually. And, and, and this woman now is in that place. And the judgment, the group of those that are just judging... Uh, a moral failure uh, has taken place. Uh, Proverbs 7.26 says, For she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. We see a woman. We see a man. This man is not in the picture. 
This man was not present, but he was present in the inference because she was caught in the very act. So here we have a woman who has sinned. We have a man who has sinned. We have sins that are, that are being brought forth. And though maybe uh, this individual seems to be hidden, uh, but he is referred to in Scripture. He was not brought forth uh, for judgment like the woman, but he was just as guilty. You know, pride will drive us to a place where we feel like we can do whatever we want and get away with it. You think, in this day and time, who thinks that they're going to get away with anything? It's not just that everybody has a camera, everybody has HD video. There, is, there are so many ways to communicate, and sin is going to just get out. We may feel like it's hidden, but it will not. Self-centeredness, maybe, of this individual, this man, that he didn't care about the injury that he would, he would cause someone else. The girl that is now being publicly humiliated, he didn't care about her. And girls, let me tell you, a guy that wants to be immoral with you, he does not care about you. Are we, we Methodists tonight? This was someone's daughter. This was someone's wife. This was someone's mom. You see, sin destroys everything that it touches. And here this man, and I'm sure that the blot and stain and injury that, that was, was there, uh, it, the, he felt that he was above it. It would not touch him. He could get away with it. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 33, A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall never be wiped away. You see, we see a woman in this picture. We see a man. We see the judgmental. We see the judgmental uh, here in verse number 3 of John 8. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst. And so now you have these individuals who have judged, and, uh, and they have come to a place of judge and jury, and they are, uh, they are the ones that are uh, just uh, have, have passed condemnation on this woman, and they are the judgmental. But then we have the saints. I'm going somewhere tonight. We have the saints who were there at church just to be taught, just to hear Jesus. And now they're confronted with the nausea of sin. They didn't come to church to experience that. I mean, they, here they are avoiding that type of a lifestyle. 
Here they are, they have, they have uh, separated themselves, maybe from uh, those situations and those scenarios to where it's not a part of their life and it's not something uh, that they see. And, uh, and maybe they are uh, what the world would say, oh, you guys are just so sheltered. But now all of a sudden, they are accosted by the real drama of ungodliness. These individuals that came to church, they didn't go looking for sin. They didn't go looking to be judgmental. But now they are faced with a decision. Where are they going to stand? Where, where are, how are they going to pass judgment? Are they going to side on grace? Are they going to side on law? Are they going to come alongside these, these judgmental individuals that brought her in? Are they going to come alongside Christ? You see, now they are faced with making a judgment. Will they too become a judge of this, of this poor girl who is there before them? Was she guilty? I'm guessing yes. But guilty before who? God or man? And here what we find is a person whose life is now in the balance. She was, is what we would call damaged goods. She's someone whose life has now been dented and scratched. Her character is now no longer above reproach. And we don't know anything about this individual, but we know that now there are some, some blights on her, on her testimony. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23, the Bible says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is a light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. It goes on in chapter 10 and verse 17, He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction, but he that refuseth reproof erreth. Chapter 15, verse 31, The ear that heareth the reproof of life uh, uh, the ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. And so here as we look at the, this event, there are some reproofs of life that we can glean instruction from. Not just the absolute commands of thou shalt not commit adultery. Not just the commands of morality here we find that there was an inter, uh, interaction uh, with this woman, uh, this broken person. And tonight, as we looked at this passage, we are seeing just one individual that was broken. We see a person who to people, we would say, was broken or damaged goods. But when we look to the Lord's response, we find mercy. 
We look to the Lord's response and we find love. We look to the Lord's response and we find grace that's offered to her. You know, you and I, we categorize sin. Brother David was trying to preach my message in his prayer tonight. And, uh, and here, as, as we look at sin, we categorize it. And this person's sin is, whoo, that's bad. Mine's way down here. But we all have sin. We all have sin. You know, as we, as we look at this, I want you to go back to chapter number 8 with me, John 8, and verse number 6. We're going to see the Lord's response here. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one. Being at uh, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thou, those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You know, this was not a pass on bad behavior. This was not the Lord saying, oh, that's okay. This was an individual who was broken and she was damaged, but she was repentant. And aren't you glad that God forgives? He forgives. You see, He takes the broken, and he makes a new vessel. Uh, in Jeremiah chapter 18, and verse number one, 1, the Bible says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it yet again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Uh, and here here we find the Lord. This was a communication between God and his people, the nation of Israel. But this principle is a principle that God shows over and over and over again as he works with us. Uh, there is a mercy and there is a grace and there is a, uh, a loving Heavenly Father that when uh, we have our failures, uh, God is willing to take and make a new vessel so we can be usable still. You see, damaged goods. And we look through the scripture, we see many who are damaged goods, yet God in his grace, God in his mercy still used them. I think about Rahab, the harlot. And yet she's in the genealogy of our Savior. You know, pretty amazing that God would pull out this woman, Point out her sins and, and, and call it out in the genealogy. How many genealogies that just skip women altogether? 
Yet Rahab is, is pointed out and, and highlighted here as she is, she is listed uh, in, the, uh, in the, uh, uh, the genealogy of the Savior. Uh, a woman who was broken yet could be used. Uh, I think about Peter, who was, uh, uh, he probably cursed just like a sailor. Peter was, was a sailor uh, and, and a man who denied that he knew the Lord. A man who later, after he denied, started following, but then he quits. Says, I go a fishing. And he, he and Brother Aaron were out fishing somewhere. And, and, uh, uh, and so, uh, no, he quit and, and he went back fishing. Uh, you know, uh, there, isn't, isn't it amazing that Jesus showed up and, and calls Peter back to himself? Broken or damaged goods. Think about John Mark, who went on the missionary trip with the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. And somewhere along the line, John Mark, he, he got discouraged. Maybe he got overwhelmed. Maybe it just wasn't what he had uh, thought it was going to turn out like. And, and now he's in the ministry. And you know what? I've seen people get into the ministry uh, with an ideology that everything's just smooth. And it's all peaches and cream. And the ministry's wonderful. But John Mark, somewhere along the line, said, I'm done. And he quits. Paul and, Bar Paul and Barnabas are going to have another missionary journey. A second missionary journey. Barnabas says, hey, let's, let's take John Mark. It was his nephew. Paul said, not on your life. He's a quitter. I'm not taking a quitter with me. And the, the Bible says the contention was so sharp that they parted ways. John Mark was a quitter. But when Paul was in prison and cold, he sent letter to to John Mark to, to bring the parchments. He, or he said he wanted his cloak to Timothy and bring uh, the, the books and bring my cloak. And he said, and send John Mark. He is profitable unto me for the ministry. Wait a second, he was damaged goods. I, he, had, he had some skeletons in his closet. There were some failures along the way. God can't use him. Think about Matthew, who in his previous life was a publican. A man who was an extortioner. We know nothing negative about Matthew after he met the Lord and followed the Lord, but we do know that there were things in his life. These, these uh, tax collectors, these publicans, they were, they were individuals that they would gain their wealth by extorting funds from those that they were over. Think about Mary Magdalene, a woman who's who had been possessed with seven demons. You know, the devil always puts a scar on us. She got saved and she followed the Lord, but there were still some scars. 
You know, kids, you, you look at people that you hear about, they had gotten saved, and, and you look at them now, and, and you look and say, you know what, they did this, and they went out in the world, and they lived in sin, and they turned out okay. I'm just going to go out into the world for a while, and I'll just come back and get right later. Let me tell you, there are so many that never come back. They never come back. And you may look at them and you may think, they, they've got everything together. You don't see the scars of sin because they're still there. They may be covered, but they still exist. I think about David and Bathsheba who end up bringing into this world the wisest man who ever lived. But David and Bathsheba, they had some scars. They had some damage in their life. There were some bad decisions that had been made. There were some skeletons in their closet, if you would. I think about Jacob, who later becomes Israel. I think about Saul, who later becomes the Apostle Paul. He said, Pastor, where are we going tonight? Tonight, I just want you to see that though you may have some damage in your life, and though there may be some things in your past that you don't want anybody to know about, and maybe there's some sins that haunt you in your day-to-day -day action, let me tell you, there is a God in heaven who can still use damaged goods. There's a God in heaven who is not done with us and you and I are here today and God still has a plan for your life. You're breathing here today. If the Lord was done with you, he would have just taken you on home. He still has a plan for you and you may feel like I can't do anything for God. You just don't know what has been in my past. You don't know what I have done. I don't have to know what you have done. If you are repentant and you get it right with God, let me tell you something. God can still use you. God can still use you. Damaged goods, and, and the Lord doesn't need something perfect to use it. God's God. He can use anything that he wants to use. You know, he used a, he used a rooster to get Peter's attention and bring conviction. He used a donkey to get Balaam's attention. God can use whatever he wants to do. He used a fish to provide tax money. Now, Brother Aaron, have you ever got tax money out of a fish? I'd like to see that one. But the Lord doesn't need perfection. He knows where we're at. I'm not telling us tonight that we can live a lascivious lifestyle. I'm not telling us that we can just live however we want and that God is just going to give us a pass on that. What I'm telling you is that the devil, he wants to defeat you and he wants to discourage you and he wants you to feel like there is no hope. But let me tell you, the Lord always leaves us with hope. He always leaves us with hope. 
And as, the, as we look into this passage of Scripture, uh, there was so much wrong about what was going on. There was so much injury that had taken place. Uh, there was sin. There was the depths of sin in humanity. Yet God looked at this woman. The Lord looks at this woman and said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Tonight, I just want you to, to recognize, though there may be some things, that have brought scars into your life. And though there may be some things that haunt you in your soul. When we come before God and we seek His forgiveness, God says, I'll make you a new vessel. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11 Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor uh, uh, effeminate, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore for if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let me tell you, God can use damaged goods. The devil wants to defeat us. The de devil wants to get up on our shoulder and start whisper whispering in our ear, saying, God can't use you. And he starts telling us about ourselves. He starts reliving, and he starts reminding us about our sins. But the Lord knew about our sin nature. God knows about our sinful tendencies. He knows our backgrounds and the sins and skeletons that are hidden away uh, in, a, in the recesses of our minds. And uh, we don't have to pull them all out. The devil pulls them out and throws them in front of our face trying to trip us up. Uh, Psalm 103, verse number 8. The Bible says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities for as the heaven is high above the earth so great is his mercy toward them that fear him as far as the east is for, from the west so far hath he removed our transgressions from us God is a God who can use damaged goods first John 8 or first John 1 8 if we say that we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the truth is not in us. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Our theme verses this year, Jude, verse 20 and 21. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, 
Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You know, as we live down here, the accuser of the brethren wants to stifle us. He wants to overwhelm us so we will not be built up in our most holy faith. You know, the devil, the accuser of the brethren, one of, the day, one of these days, he's going to be cast into hell. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to it. No longer will he be the one that brings up our sins before us. How often do we come before God and say, God, forgive me. And God says, what are you talking about? I've already cast that sin as far as the east is from the west. That sin has already been buried in the depths of the sea. And we bring it up because the devil brings it up. We bring it up and it keeps a load, a weight on us that stops us from being able to be built up in our faith. And tonight... God uses damaged goods. And the next time the devil comes and he starts whispering in your ear, just tell him to go back on to Hades, leave you alone, you are a child of God, your sins have been forgiven. Don't let your past stop you from being able to serve him in your present. There is a battle that goes on in the hearts of, of men and women. Teenagers, there's, there's failures that we have. And if we focus on those failures, Satan has us right where he wants us to be. Because we will be rendered ineffective. And we will not be built up. So, Guilt is a tool, it's a weapon of the evil one. God does not use guilt in the life of the believer. Conviction is the, re is the result of chastening. It is the corrective hand of God, not a punitive hand of God. God doesn't use guilt in our lives. The Holy Spirit comes and convicts us of sin so we can get things right. The devil brings up guilt to cause us to feel unworthy to be used by God. And if the Lord could use a woman caught in the act of adultery, if he can use a David who conspired and had a man killed, and had an immoral affair, if God can use a Saul who was, was the persecutor of the church, God can use you and God can use me. Damaged goods. But God works and uses. Maybe some lives that have some scratches. Maybe there's some dents. Maybe they've been able to be painted over and people can't see them. But you know they're there. God knows they're there. The devil knows they're there. 
but God can still use us. Father, I pray that you would help us tonight just to look into our own life and whatever it is that the devil has been beating us up over, I pray uh, that, Lord, you would help us, uh, Lord, just to give that to you. And I pray that you would help us to recognize, uh, Lord, you're not done with us and you can use us and may the devil be defeated in our lives. I pray that he would not be able to use guilt uh, to hold us down in our faith. Uh, maybe the failures that, that stop us from telling other people about you because we just feel guilty. Uh, people know about some of our past and, and we feel like we could never uh, tell them about you. Uh, and Lord, I pray that the devil would be defeated on every hand. I pray you'd work in the hearts of your people and help us, Lord, to recognize that you can still use us. And so I pray that you'd work now in this invitation. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The instruments are going to play. The Lord spoke to your heart tonight. The altars are open. Or you can make an altar.
thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.